Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. All right. Chapter 4, and here's what Paul says. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? That's a question. What shall we say that Abraham has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So Paul is talking about uh, the contrast between being perfectly obedient to the law and being justified by your behavior, as opposed to being justified by faith in what Jesus has done. Or, in Abraham's case, faith in what a coming Savior would do. So, he said, what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was accounted to him. He got a credit on his account, so to speak, of righteousness. He went to his bank account, his spiritual bank account, and it was full of righteousness. Well, how did that righteousness come? By Abraham being perfectly obedient? No. It came because he believed God. He put his faith in God and God's plan of salvation and that what God was saying was true. And he got a deposit into his spiritual bank account called righteousness. So Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him by righteousness. Verse 4, now to him who works, or we could say it like this, now to him who tries to earn salvation through being obedient enough, the wages, or in other words, the reward that he'll get from that, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. If you try to earn your way to God, God is perfect and holy. And unless you started perfect and holy and remained perfect and holy, you don't measure up. Well, guess what? None of us measure up. So he says, now to him who works or tries to uh, earn his salvation through works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. You get done with the, the week of work, 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 a whole week, and you come to get your paycheck, and <laughs> here's your paycheck. You owe $100 million. Why do I owe? I've been working. Yeah, but you're working on something that is impossible. And not only that, because you're working on it, because you think you can earn it by being a good person, then at the end of the day, you're going to find out that you're you're still in debt. Why? Because your debt was not paid. Because you didn't put your faith in Jesus. You put your faith in your own works. Let me tell you, this is so relevant because how often will we talk to somebody and we may even ask them about what will happen in the afterlife and they'll say, oh, I think I'm going to go to heaven. And you say, why? They say, well, I'm a pretty good person. What are they saying? Because I'm earning it by being a good person. And the Bible saying, oh, no, you're, you're going to still have that debt to pay. You can never pay your debt. Your sin, the sin that was passed down to you from Adam to all human beings, you could never repay that. And all the sins that you've committed in your life and continue to commit, you could never repay those sins with enough righteousness. So the end for you, if that's where your faith is, your confidence is in your own earning of goodness, then at the end of the day, you're going to still have your debt because 
You didn't put your faith in Jesus to pay it. You put your faith in yourself and your obedience. On the contrary, look at verse 5. But to him who does not work or try to earn it, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just by believing in what Jesus has done, you get credited as if you were the one that lived righteously. Isn't that great? Talk about good news. Verse 6, just as David also describes in, uh, just as, excuse me, David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And he quotes, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin or recognize sin. He's not indicted with sin. Blessed is that man. Verse 9, does this blessedness come upon the circumcised only, Jewish people, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Let me just stop right there and unravel that for you. He's saying the the Old Testament scripture says, Abraham believed God, and I believe this is in the 15th chapter. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So this is way back in the Old Testament. He believed God. He believed God, and it was credited to him, to him as righteousness. So God, with the blessing of Abraham, was blessing him as if he was perfectly righteous, and the way that he received that righteousness was a free gift because he believed God. See, but Paul is saying now, did he believe God and receive that righteousness before or after he was circumcised? And the answer is, it's before. Circumcision didn't happen until the 17th chapter of Genesis. This is in the 15th chapter of Genesis, that he would receive this, this credit of righteousness as if he's a perfectly righteous person. And so later he said, then circumcision was given to him as a sign, as a symbol of the righteousness that he received by faith. And so therefore, if the father of the Jewish people who had the law, Abraham, which was 500 years before the law even came, if this father, Abraham, was justified by faith and not by the law, well, that happened like that so that he could be our example and the model of how we also need to be justified by faith today and not through earning it. That includes Jewish people. Verse 12, and the father of circumcision to whom, excuse me, to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also who walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham, Abraham had while still uncircumcised. In other words, he received that righteousness before he was circumcised, uh, which is a Jewish thing that God told all the Jews to do, the male children to be circumcised on the eighth day. He said, but he received that righteousness before he was circumcised, that he might be a father not only to the Jews, but a father to all those who are not circumcised because he wasn't circumcised uh, when he received that righteousness. See, so Abraham is the father of all of us who believe in Jesus uh, or believe in creator God and his salvation. Verse 
13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. That promise did not come because of how obedient he was to the law, but through the righteousness of faith, because he believed God and it was accredited to him for righteousness. That's how the promise of God was going to be fulfilled. The promise was blessing Abraham for his righteousness, which he did not earn. He received by believing God. Verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So notice if those, verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise of no effect. So if we are heirs of God's covenants, promises and inheritance because of keeping the law, then it's made void. Why? Because you didn't. <laughs> you didn't keep the law. You couldn't keep the law. So therefore, don't expect any of the promise of God because you didn't keep the law. So if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void in the promise of no effect because the law brings about wrath. The law brings about judgment. Why? Because you didn't keep it. You can't keep it. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore, it is of faith. This is how the promise comes. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. God designed this that we might receive righteousness from God by faith so that it might be according to grace. What does that mean? You didn't earn it. God just wanted you to have it, and he gave it to you through Jesus. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Watch this not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So that not only Jewish people, who are people of the law, could receive this, but all the whole world of Gentiles who didn't have a covenant with God through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They weren't born of that lineage. But no, through Jesus now, putting their faith in Jesus, they can also claim Father Abraham who put his faith in God and received righteousness. We put our faith in God now and receive righteousness the same way. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you, and this is a promise that God made to Abraham. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. Father of many nations or father of multitude. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not as exist as though they did. Uh, Sarah's womb was barren. It was, in essence, dead to reproduction. And Abraham had become 99 years old uh, when God had promised them to have a child together. And the Bible tells us that, well, we'll see it in just a minute here. Let's just read it. So it says uh, that, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So God is calling Abram, Abraham, father of multitude. There's no possible way. But when God's speaking, God gives life to the dead. God gives life to even a dead uh, womb, a reproduction. God gives life to it. Abraham, who became too old to bear children, but God gave life to him, reproductive life, right? So when God speaks, God's words change things. 
So God brings life, gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they, as though they did. Like when God said, let there be light. And what's the next thing? And there was light. Why? Because he said, let there be light. In the same way, when God makes promises to us, the circumstances may be contrary and even impossible. But once God released the words of promise, those words will give life to the dead. And those words will cause things that didn't exist to become real and in existence. Verse 18, who, Abraham, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations. Let me say that again. Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope, believed what God was saying, his promise, so that he became. He believed so that he became. He believed so that he became. That's what we need to do. We need to look at these promises from God in the Bible, and though they seem too good to be true or that we don't qualify, we need to believe so that we become. We need to believe them so that they come into existence. Why? Because God gives life to the dead and God calls those things which do not exist, which cannot happen, to happen. And if somebody will believe them, then they can happen for them. This is exactly what the Lord is saying. And namely, this happens with salvation and righteousness, but it's talking about everything because this example of Abraham also brought about a baby from a 90-year-old lady who was always barren and from a man who was past his ability to produce children. So it says, who contrary to hope, in hope Abraham believed so that he became the father of many nations. She actually had babies who had babies who had babies. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. <laughs> and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not consider his body already dead since he was about 100 years old. So he's thinking about this promise that he and Sarah are going to have children, in fact, a whole host of children, grandchildren, and so on. And God said, like the sand of the sea and like the stars of the sky. He's believing this promise that somehow the words of God are going to give life to our dead reproductive organs and bring into existence something that does not even exist. It's impossible for it to happen. But it says that he believed and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his body already dead. In other words, he can tell his body is dead. And it goes on to say, uh, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He's looking at Sarah, he's looking at himself, and he's realizing this can't happen, but he chose, I'm not going to factor that into the equation. No, I'm going to take God at his word. I'm going to believe what God said. See, this is the kind of faith that causes God to make you, to declare you to be righteous. Why? Because you believe him. It says, he did not waver, verse 20, at the promise of God. He did not waver. He did not allow the circumstances to challenge and certainly not to overrule the promise of God. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. When you're giving God glory, thank you, Lord. You called me the father of many nations. Thank you for all my children that are coming, Lord. When you're giving thanks to God and rehearsing his promise, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You're being strengthened in faith. Notice again, it says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. See, when you become fully convinced, oh man, that faith, 
like that woman with the flow of blood. If I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. She got a hold of the garment of Jesus and the power of God was released without Jesus initiating it. Her faith initiated it. And that's why Jesus turned around and said, daughter, your faith made you well. We know it was the power of God that healed her, but her faith was like the light switch that released the electricity to cause the lights to come on. Her faith is what released and triggered the power of God on Jesus to come and heal her. So, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. We need to be fully convinced. And then it releases the power of God. And it goes on in verse 22 to say, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. He believed God's promise. He believed him. And God said, I'm counting that as righteous. You're, you're believing and acting as if you really believe the word. And I'm counting that to you as righteous. Verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us. What? Righteousness shall be imputed. Righteousness is you are right with God. You, you, have, you have been qualified. You've been pre-approved, so to speak for these blessings and promises to come upon you. How? Through faith. You've been pre-approved. You, you've been judged righteous. You've been judged qualified. You've been judged that you deserve God's goodness and promises. See, how, how could we deserve it? By the grace of Jesus Christ. That's how. It says, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification, who was delivered up because of our offenses. He was, he was crucified because of our sins and offenses. And he was raised because of our justification. He was raised up that we might be justified. So sin is paid for. Righteousness is imputed by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what a great chapter. I look forward to tomorrow, Romans chapter 5. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.